Get ready, Avalanche Territory. It's now time for the Mile High Hockey Podcast with Mike Evans on your home for the most Avalanche content. Denver Sports Station, 1043 The Fan. All right, everybody, welcome into this week's edition of the Mile High Hockey Podcast. I'm Mike Evans, and I'm so, so happy to have this guy on as our, our guest today. I love talking hockey with him. He's my fellow Granite Stater, the pride of uh, Keene, New Hampshire. Adrian Dater from ColoradoHockeyNow.com. Good, good day, AD. How you doing? <laughs> well, I don't know if I'm the pride of Keene, but uh, <clears throat> I am a native of Keene. Uh, yeah, great to be with you, Mike. Granite Stater, but Colorado in their heart now, right? Oh we're, yeah, we're long. We're Coloradans way longer than we were New Hampshireites by now, right? Pr- pretty much, yeah, uh, yeah. Much, yeah. You're, you're right. Grew up in New Hampshire, but. Uh, other than getting yeah. back a couple times a year, maybe. Uh, nope, nope. Yep. Colorado through and through and, and loving it out here. No place I'd rather be. No place I'd rather be than talking some hockey with you. Got, I got a lot of things I want to get to and um, and, and also be able to, uh, hopefully you get a chance to uh, plug uh, your ColoradoHockeyNow.com because I think it's an outstanding uh, oh, place you. to be able to go follow everything Avalanche. And you added Terry Fry this this year, which, by the way, I think is a a great, great thing. Between the two of you, you're talking about what? 40, 50 years of, of hockey coverage? <laughs> oh, God, I know. Here goes, I know. Here comes the old feelings. Uh, yeah, more than um, more than 40 together. Uh, yeah, I think we're almost 50 um, covering the team. I mean, uh, you know, especially together at the Denver Post like we did for so many years. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we're back. It's, uh, it's great to have Terry. I've the site's done well enough that I can, you know, bring on yeah. extra guys. So thank you to the people listening and subscribing. And uh, Terry's been Terry's as good a writer as he ever was, if not better, you know. So uh, great to have him. All right, let's get into it. I, I guess the, the big news in the NHL is the Jack Eichel trade to Vegas. Yep. Now, <clears throat> this comes with the understanding that he is going to get that, that neck surgery, right? Right, with the artificial disc that Buffalo did not want him to do. So apparently he gets gets to get that done now. And I believe it's going to be done by, a, uh, well, last I checked, there was a Colorado-based surgeon. So how long will he be out? Well, uh, I think three to four months is what I keep reading. Um, so, you know, playoffs, Vegas with Jack Eichel, um, that would be probably the timeline that we're talking about, maybe a little bit sooner. Uh, but, uh, yeah, not not the rest of the season, but it's still a ways away. So, you know, Vegas has to get to the playoffs first, I guess, with Eichel. They haven't been playing too great. But, uh, yeah, big news today finally happens. Jack Eichel, you know, just a disaster in Buffalo with him the way it ended, finally resolved it. So I thought Vegas gave up a lot, though, to get him. I, uh, I'm not sure this is a home run deal for Vegas. Were the Avalanche in on it at all? No, no. I mean, I think they called it originally just to see what the what the asking price was and then when it was probably uh you know i mean i'm speculating here but it was probably be something to the order of uh, bo byram uh you know nazem kadri uh and two first round picks and uh you know top of the rocky mountains too so i mean it was it was pretty high asked for 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 eichel and abs not only the abs not have the cap room to do that deal uh, they they don't. I don't think they were ever in love with the you know the idea of giving up four four good pieces for for a guy who couldn't even play for four months. What was your 
view of the Eichel stare down in Buffalo with him uh, wanting to get a, a surgery that the, the Sabres felt was, was too risky and, and didn't have a whole lot of, you know, I guess track record when it came to the, that kind of surgery. What was your read on that stalemate? Well, it was strange. I mean, you know, uh, I don't think that's ever really been, that's ever quite happened before like this in the league that I know of. Uh, he, the Sabres wanted him to get the traditional fusion surgery, which uh, they thought was safer and more had a more track, bigger track record. And uh, <clears throat> Eichel, through research and doctors telling him about a new artificial disc replacement surgery, wanted to go that route. And the Sabres just wouldn't budge. Uh, and it became a personal thing, it seemed, and, and a standoff. Um, and that's what soured everything. I mean, um, not, not only that, but, you know, the losing Eichel being part of a loser for years and years and, uh, wanting out of there. Uh, anyway, it was strange. Uh, he consulted with a guy from, uh, right around here, uh, right in the metro area who specializes in these kind of surgeries. And, uh, it just became a, uh, an adamant thing where Eichel said, I'm not doing it. You have to let me do this my way or trade me. And that's what finally ended up happening. All right, so he will not be a a Colorado Avalanche. So we'll deal with the guys who are here uh, right now. Give me your early season impressions of the newest Avs. And I'll I'll give you a name and just give me kind of like a quick summary of what you've thought about the guy to this point. point. Starting with Darcy Kemper. Well, you know, I would give him, you know, a C plus so far. Uh, it seemed like every game he, he, he's, he was giving up three to four goals game for those first few starts. Uh, but the last start was a good one. You know, four, one win over Minnesota. He did not play last night against Columbus. So, uh, you know, presuming he goes back Sunday night, but uh, I, I think he's going to be fine. I, to this point though, it's only been, you know, pretty average. Maybe just a touch above average. He, uh, I think he's still learning to communicate with his defenseman. I do think that's something in hockey that's real. Goalies and their communication with defensemen can take time to get to know each other and their habits and uh, how they interact with each other and you know giving the puck back and forth, things like that. Um, how to read your own defenseman, their tendencies. Uh, then makes your tendencies react in kind. I think it's uh, it's been a learning process. Um, I'm not worried about him, but I I'd like to see him post a you know you know 40 save shutout along the way and start to make my preseason picks <laughs> and being in the Vesna conversation look a little better. Speaking of defensemen, how about Ryan Murray? You know, uh, he's a little older guy. I would say he's been uh, okay so far. Um, he's he's a big guy who, I mean, can do good things, but it feels like, you know, wow, you know, this guy was a number two overall pick, and I think that's carried around and hurt him a little bit as far as expectations and his performance goes. It's been a disconnect there. I don't know. He's an older guy. Uh, good some nights, 
kind of bad some other nights, so probably a C so far. Jack Johnson? Well, I like Jack Johnson. I think he's been good. I mean, he's, uh, you know, he's not the world beater anymore, a speed merchant. Uh, he's, uh, he's older, too, and he's going to have a moment every now and then where he's getting beat. But uh, I really think he's been overall pretty good. He uh, hits hard. Uh, he, he still plays a, a sandpaper kind of game that I like as a D-man. He uh, he can move the puck too. I mean, he's got skills with the puck and he can he can shoot it. So I like him. I think he's gonna. Uh, I think if you know Devontae should come back Saturday night, somebody's probably gonna have to sit among that group. Although it may not be, it, it probably won't be Murray or Johnson. But if it did come down to those two having having to sit, I think Johnson would beat out Murray right now in the top six. Interesting. Uh, finally, Darren Helm. Yeah. Uh, haven't no I mean I like him okay but he's uh he's a guy that uh I think uh frustrates me a little bit at times with his lack of scoring and, and the chances that he can get sometimes with his speed. Uh, you know, he's supposed to be the replacement for Pierre Edward Belmar and I think eh, so far it's been not as good as Belmar. Uh he's um you know, I'd like to see his, his numbers face off wise get a little bit better too, although I think that'll come. Um but uh, you know, years in the league now, I guess you can't expect uh, you know a world beater anymore. Uh, but he is somebody that I'd like to see just be a little bit better offensively, put some pucks in the net, get some take some pressure off those top line guys. But I don't know if they're going to get it. I mean, his career numbers, goal wise, really have never really been there. So considering what they lost going out, it sounds like you don't think that they've at least to this point adequately replaced with what's coming in don't th- i don't think so i mean it <clears throat> and we haven't even talked about the lot you know the losses of donskoy and side right uh, they, they definitely have not been replaced um i don't think that the guys that are replaced the other guys that we talked about belmar you know uh you know uh, ryan graves trades for you know johnson and murray i, I don't think I think the D's been fine, really, in a sense. But uh, offensively, they're definitely lacking from last year's team. There's just no question about it. Visit with Adrian Dater, our Avalanche insider, joining us here on the Mile High Hockey Podcast. And highly recommend, as an Az fan, that you subscribe to ColoradoHockeyNow.com with outstanding coverage of the Avalanche, both home and away. And this early season that they're playing themselves through – I was struck by the different messages after the Avs lost to Vegas last week. The players seem to adopt that don't worry attitude, long season, while Jared Bednar was was agitated. And this is his sixth year. And it's always a question if after a certain amount of time is the message still fresh. Is it getting through? In your opinion, when it comes to Bednar and his players, is it? Well, there's no question that Jared Bednar has some pressure on him, and he is probably going to be more agitated after a early season loss than, than a guy like Gabe Landeskog, who I'm not saying is, took it lightly, but Landy knows he's going to be for eight more years uh, at $7 million per, and, Land, and Bednar, I believe this is his last year of contract. That's been hard for me to nail down, though. Nobody will say that. Um, I, I think it is, but, you know, and so that creates a lot of pressure on him, obviously. Um, uh, 
if they threw in a secret year or extension somewhere, they haven't said it and they won't admit anything about it. So um, I, need, I need to dig a little harder on that probably. But uh, I assume this is his last year. And, yeah, he's going to take it hard. I, as far as the message, <clears throat> um, one of the things that's hard for me to – all reporters this year still is we're not allowed in the locker room uh, still. We have to get these players that are brought out to a table. And uh, you're not going to get real honest answers when there's a whole – big group of reporters around on a podium question as you can sometimes slipping off to a side with a guy in the room and asking something, Hey, you know, tell me a little bit more about this, you know, and, and what's going on. Is are you guys okay with the coach? You know, you can ask, I've asked that stuff before in the locker room and uh, you can either get an honest answer or you can get a man, not a, you know, kind of a dodge for an answer. And so I don't, I don't think that, Jared Bednar is the problem with this team at all. Uh, but the reality is, if they don't win and they're not in, you know, well over 500 by pretty soon, you know, mid-season, uh, then the pressure, the rumors, everything's going to swirl around Jared Bednar, and that's just the way it goes. He knows that he's a big boy, and he he he. Uh, does not mind that kind of pressure on him. He doesn't get insulted when you ask him that kind of question. He knows that his pressure's on. He knows that his job's probably on the line. So uh, I I think the players like him. I think they respect him. But that doesn't mean that maybe the, the it's not getting a little stale. It doesn't mean that it isn't. And that just comes with pure time. So you just get you get – you get so used to it, probably. If you're Nathan McKinnon, you've heard it say message for six years. And I don't know. I can't speak for Nathan uh, on that. But I think it's going to be, uh, you know, something that's going to be – the pressure's going to be amped up, and we'll see if the team rallies around him in a sense. You know, I want to go back to something you, you said in passing while you were talking about covering the avalanche and not being in the locker room. And I, I, I get totally what you're saying. And, and I wonder – for the for the hockey fan listening out there, how much does that matter? Being able to have that kind of access. If you are a hockey fan and you want your team and your players to be covered a certain way, how much is not having that kind of access affect that? I mean, I think we've all done our best to mask over the uh you know, don't forget it. I mean, this has gone on for like 18 months now. <clears throat> um we've all become kind of masters of <laughs> trying to paint ourselves on the scene and acting like nothing's different. You know, we got coat, we got quotes from players, we got game coverage, you know, um, but the fact is it makes a big difference. I mean, it, sports writing and covering a team is all about relationships. And the more they trust you, the more they'll tell you maybe. And, when you can't be next to the players at all uh, for 18 months, you can't develop the relationships. I mean, I, to this day, <clears throat> um, you know, there's some guys in the, on the outside I still haven't even met that have been on the team for the last 18 months. Um, and you can't develop a relationship that way. You can't do it over the phone. I mean, you have to be in the room just talking like real people to them. And the more you do that, the more, they'll trust you and uh it, you don't have it right now so it makes for the day-to-day nothing bolt stuff you read about the team yeah 
it doesn't really affect it that much. Here's what happened in the game. Here's why the Avs did or didn't win. Analyze it, break down tape, blah, blah, blah. But uh, when it comes to getting little tips or little insights into a player or how they, how they, just how they are day to day, you can't do it right now. And it, it does, it does affect it. I mean, I think everybody's reading of, of not only my cards, but everybody in the sports world has been tamed down. You just don't have the, uh, the one-on-one relationships that you used to have. And that makes a huge difference when it comes to not only getting news tips or sources or whatever and that kind of thing, but just uh, more insight to them as people that helps your story. If you're a good writer, you have to blend all that in and, and uh, right now, you're just sort of handicapped all over it. Do you think teams like having less access? <laughs> that they would they would like this to continue even when we get back to normal? Yeah. I think so. I think a lot of them would. I don't think the older guys. I think some guys like the media in the room though to talk, just to have somebody else to talk to. It's I'm serious. Like just somebody else to bounce stuff off, talk about stuff. Players, most for, for the most part, I mean, unless you're McKinnon and Landis guy, you're always besieged by reporters for questions. A lot of the guys want like being interviewed. They like having somebody sit and talk to them and write stories about them. You know, most hockey players don't don't really get questioned all that much. Uh, if you're not McKinnon or Landis guy, I mean, let's if 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 when I you know let's say a guy like Belmar who was here two years doesn't get a lot of press. I wouldn't go up to his locker room every every day. Uh, I would only do that once in a while, and, and there's not that much as much media around as there used to be either. So sometimes those guys get a little lonely in there. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I definitely notice. I say, hey, you know, hey, can I talk to you? Like, hey, yeah, sit down, come on. Let's talk. Right, right. So, uh, that doesn't happen with McKinnis or <laughs> Landis Card much, but. You know, and they're still they're still cordial, you know. But uh, it's uh, it's 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 uh, it's a new world, and I think everybody in the media is debating right now whether the rooms will be back open or not. Uh, maybe the teams just prefer this moving forward. Two guys brought out to a table, and uh, a lot less distractions they have to deal with than probably from a team perspective. And being able to control the message. Yeah, absolutely. From a team perspective, controlling the message, I'm not sure I wouldn't do it either if I were as a team. What do I, what do I gain by having some pesky Adrian Dater walking around the locker room trying to dig out dirt on the team? Not dirt, you know what I'm saying. Right, right. I mean, Or quoting so, unnamed sources, unnamed players, right? <laughs> yeah, sometimes, yeah, that's, that's a whole other subject. Some, 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 when they say source, sometimes they mean, hey, the writer next to me told me. <laughs> right. I mean, I don't know. That's yeah. I, um, it's going to be an interesting question. I, I think that uh, a lot of pressure will be put on teams, though, to open those rooms back up to the media, and, and that's that's the way it's always been done, and that's the way it should be moving forward. And the, the media will make a huge stink about it if that doesn't happen. Hey, you know, you, and then they'll go to the public about it. Hey, folks, you're not getting the best story. These big bully teams aren't letting us in. That would be a big fight coming up. As far as as long as COVID is around, you can't have that fight, right? But uh, when it, whenever this stupid pandemic eases and we theoretically can just walk around without a mask on in the room and be around people, 
uh, that's going to be the next big step in the media world is will the, will they let them back in? You have seen in sports the big stories surrounding Aaron Rodgers and the uh, we've seen plenty of sports and teams deal with the the vaccination debate. Hockey hasn't really had to deal with it because most of their players are are vaccinated. Now it doesn't mean you can't catch COVID, and it doesn't mean that you can miss you, you can't miss some time. But I, I'm curious in talking to players, how much was there a sense of I don't know, responsibility, peer pressure, what have you, to make sure, hey, we don't want our season derailed by having guys out for a long time who aren't vaccinated. What Was there a group think mentality uh, that think, surrounded the vaccinations in hockey that, 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 that seemed to put it higher than the other sports? Yeah, not, not having been around the other sports much at all. It's uh, hard for me to say what the other – what it was like in other sports, but I, I do think that there's some peer pressure for sure to, to get the jabs. Um, hockey, as you know, Mike, is a game where you don't want to stick out individually. You want to be part of that group that, you know, we row together and that's, that's hockey. I mean, mm-hmm. no, no stars, just team. And uh, if you're the one guy who's holding up the, uh, the team from, getting somewhere or having to be shorthanded because because of your convictions that the vaccine isn't worth it then uh, then you risk the wrath of of a whole locker room full of guys looking shooting verbal you know darts at you with their eyes and, and probably chirping you big time and getting being, being a problem so yeah i do i i uh i think most players just you know trust in their staff though too and the medical people and you know i don't think that there's i don't think that there's a huge contingent of guys that were like anti-vax but uh all but one still have there's only one guy in the league that hasn't had the job apparently that's uh tyler bertuzzi from detroit um so yeah it must have been pretty good peer pressure because definitely other sports haven't had as as many guys get get it uh or you know other sports have more holdout guys that's for right. sure so uh you know uh yeah there must be something i think that's just part of the hockey thing though the bottom line is you don't want to uh, let down the, the the guy next to you in the locker room that's just that's pure hockey that's interesting but yeah that that makes complete sense hey bouncing around here as we're visiting with adrian dater on the mile high hockey podcast jt comfort off to a really good start among the league among the team leaders in in scoring what has been different this year compared to to last well uh i think he's gotten more a little more opportunity as far as quality minutes go um he's been on the uh you know he's on the first line last night and uh so injuries have been some of that um he's uh he's just had a more thrust into more uh, offensive situations i believe because of you know the loss of sod and donskoy that Created more opportunities for him, quality minute-wise and teammate-wise, probably line-wise, and I think he's taking advantage of it. He's, I think he's shooting the puck a little more, I've noticed. Uh, you know, he, he tended to uh, – I think he tried to be too fine at times with his shots before and always just wait for the perfect chance before he shot. Now he's he's just firing pucks everywhere. And I think that, you know, more than more than are going to go in um, when you shoot it more. The old Wayne Gretzky saying, "You score, you score on 100% of the shots. You don't score on 100% of the shots, you don't take." Uh, 
think that uh, he's uh, took it to heart that he didn't have a great year last year last year. And he, he, again, I can't you know see him uh, around you know in the locker room as much and see. You know, sometimes you can see guys who really in shape made made a difference in their body or something over the summer. Uh, it's hard to see that really here, but uh, you know, but uh, uh, he seems like he's a little bit quicker, more shots, and uh, and uh, so far so good. And the Avs really need him to keep it going. You know, when the Avs have a rash of injuries like they have had in the early part of this season, how does the organization view it? Is it just bad luck, or do they examine the way that they train and practice and, and treat the players? Well, that's a good question, and. Uh, I think that they will always say, "Hey, look, it's it's not our staff. I mean, we we've got a great staff here, and we we give these guys the best attention." Uh, I, this is me speaking, not for Joe. Uh, I really haven't, you know, broached that subject with Sackick about this, you know, um, because I know that he trusts the guys and treating the team and and, and the doctors, but you do have to wonder maybe a little bit in the back of your mind, like why is it that we always seem to be hurt, more hurt than maybe other teams? And I don't know. I, uh, I'm sure they review everything top to bottom and go, go over thoroughly how they got treated. Um, I just don't, I just don't think that they're going there when it comes to, well, we have a problem here with our medical staff. I, I just don't sense that's the issue. I think that they do view it as, it's bad luck, but also here's the thing I think Sackett probably is thinking. Maybe we do need guys that are just maybe a little bit bigger. You know, you can throw the word tough all you want around, but able to withstand more punishment maybe who don't get hurt as much, you know. But yet it seems like when they have go out and get some of those guys, too, they get hurt. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's been a curse for this team for a long time. I mean, it really has. Injuries have been, if not the one of the right there at the top as far as things that have really held this team back from 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 winning. I mean, I think that I think that team that was in Dallas in the Edmonton bubble two summers ago, the, when I was one of I was up there covering that thing. That, that's a whole other <laughs> <Yeah>. podcast. <laughs> yes. How weird that was. Yeah, um, <laughs> your cats. I thought that they were going to beat Dallas and would have beaten Dallas then get crushed by those injuries. Um, and I think they would have had a real chance at the Stanley Cup with that team. Um, but the injuries killed them. Now, last year, the injuries weren't as big a factor. So, no excuses there. But they did lose Nazem Kadri to suspension. That's, I think that's a big reason why they lost. That's not an injury, though. Uh, the bottom line is they've, had in, they've just been crushed by injuries at the wrong times all the time. I mean, remember, remember the National Series like three or four years ago? They had to use Andrew Hammond as a goalie. Mm-hmm. Who hadn't played all year? I mean, especially to their goaltenders, they've had tough injuries. So, yeah, uh, injuries, man. I swear, I've had more. I I said this to you yesterday on the show. I mean, in the morning, I, I really feel like I need to have a medical degree yep. more than a journalism degree to cover right. this team. Right, right. You, you talk about Nazem Kadri suspension, doling out punishment, being able to take punishment. Man, it seems like every week. On this podcast, we talk about this. A dirty hit that sometimes gets punished, sometimes doesn't. The latest, Brandon Duhame not suspended for his hit on Bo Byram. Can you explain the NHL's disciplinary process and why it is, I was going to say why it seems, why it is so inconsistent? 
Well, no, I can't. Uh, <laughs> can I the NHL just – can they pro- even can they know. even explain it? I mean, they try, but it, it seems like every night there's an inconsistency of a, a standard that they say will be met that, well, there's, there's where it wasn't met. I mean, the, the hit on Byram was, I thought, a suspension-worthy hit, just like Nathan McKinnon said. And he hits from behind – low back he goes sprawling into the boards you know i mean mike i'm a cynic you know that i think that it all comes down to whether the guy gets hurt or not whether the guy gets suspended really and so byram got up and kept playing and that's that's what made it more less of a an issue and also also you know mckinnon fighting like he did right away i get i bet some of those old school guys in the department of player safety go eh, yeah i've addressed it with a fight you don't need to no, we don't need to give him my frontier justice. His. Yeah, right. He got his. Right. So, it, you know, I don't know if that's it or but All I know is the apps are like 0 and 20 right now when it comes to <laughs> right? discipline from, from the DOPS office about, you know, things in their favor in the last 20 incidents. So it is, it is trust me, the apps are not happy about it. And I'm sure there's been some tough conversations between the abs and that that group uh, but uh in new york who reviews everything you know george peros the former av there's a big conspiracy theory that peros has it in for the abs because he only he only played two games here and they traded him off to anaheim <laughs> oh, uh you know he's he's held it against them ever since well i don't first of all i doubt that because peros went on to win a stanley cup with the ducks after that deal so i'm sure he was pretty happy when it was over it's uh, it's crazy. I don't know. I, standards go back and forth, and, and what they what they call and don't call it just seems completely random, like a box of chocolate. Well, beyond the frustration that we may feel, both as as teams, players, and and fans of it, what what are some of the serious ramifications, consequences of having such an inconsistent policy like this? I mean, you can. If I'm a lawyer arguing this, I say, well, you know, because you didn't suspend Duhame, he's going to go around thinking he can get away with that now. Right. And, and then the somebody seriously the guy, could get hurt, right? Somebody is going to get seriously hurt. And oh, oh, okay, it's only when the guy gets hurt that you guys enforce things. Well, it doesn't matter. It should have been suspended. He shouldn't have done that. He shouldn't cross check guys in the back while they're heading into the boards and knocking them off balance and crushing their bodies into hard boards. Um, you know, it would be a great story if somebody could really sit down with those guys and just go over detail by detail what the what goes on. And, and some reporters have gone, quote, in the room and done that story from in the war room. Um, I don't think that's ever you're ever going to get a real accurate portrait of anything when, when you know, let's say I got let into the DOPS room. They're, they're all going to say what, politi- you know, the, the right things to, that I want to hear or what I ask and you know, I'm not really going to get the secret stuff that goes mm-hmm. on in there. They're just going to be sort of, oh, hey, welcome to our offices here. Here's our 12 banks of monitors that we watch the game. And here's George Perrell saying the right things about how we watch everything and everything. There's no bias here whatsoever. Um, who knows what really goes on? In you know, even, even if you're, let's say you just based it on, well, this guy's got a history. This guy's got a track record. And because of that, he's going to be treated differently. You know what? Yeah. I could I could I could almost buy that if it wasn't for the fact that then a, a Tom Wilson hit comes along where yep. 
you are talking about somebody with a rap sheet a mile long, and he still gets let off. Yeah. So that, so even in those instances where it actually makes sense, okay, the guy with the track record gets treated differently than the first time offender. Okay, I get that. That makes sense until it doesn't make sense. Yeah, I know. Tom Wilson is a particular source of aggravation for most hockey teams in the league this because he does go around head hunting guys, and yet you know it's only once in a while he gets any real suspension penalty for it. Right? Um, you know, the guy's got to be laid out on the ice, I guess, not motionless for the league to step in and do something. But so many times, Byron, who knows? Byron skated on and kept playing, and he had a great game last night, by the way. So I'm sure he's not hurt. But who knows if something doesn't linger from that right. that he's playing with now that we we'll never know. Um, and you know, the fact is that. That should have been a suspension, just like it was when the Avs players hit hit other guys. I mean, the biggest – I think the biggest travesty so far wasn't the Duhame hit. It was the Steven Stamkos hit on mm-hmm. Sam Gerrard in mm-hmm. Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. It was a blindside hit, basically, into the boards from behind. And not only that, he, Gerrard, Gerrard's down there hurt after the hit on the ice. Stamkos throws a sucker punch at him on the back of his head. Nothing? He gets nothing. Um, I thought it was ridiculous. Landis Gog did the exact same thing to Kirby Doc, got got the two games. Uh, but but it happens to Sam Gerrard. And Gerard missed two games over that from after effects. Yeah, so and, and he just, was hurt. Yeah, so you know, again, that's that's the, yeah. the part of it that just drives you drives yeah. you crazy. Well yeah. hey, uh we covered a lot of ground. I really appreciate it. Just a, a little sampling, folks, of the kind of insight and, and hockey coverage you get from Adrian and, and, and Terry Fry and crew. Again, give a little plug for how people can get subscribed to ColoradoHockeyNow.com and, and all that they get from it. Well, you can go to the site, ColoradoHockeyNow.com. We uh, charge twenty nine ninety nine a year. And, and, hey, listen, for all the listeners here who are listening, you want 5 bucks off, go to the subscription page on the site. Throw in the promo code five off the numeral five OFF and you'll get five dollars off the subscription twenty four ninety nine. So thank you for that plug, Mike. It's uh, you know we try to do our best. We uh, you know we just just cover the team as best we can and uh, you know flood you with content. <laughs> and uh, um, it's gone well. This is more than two years now that I started this and you know just sort of trying to self support. And uh, it's going real well. The numbers are good, and uh, we're just grateful to all the readers out there who have stuck by me through thick and thin. And, uh, you know, I just want to continue it and get better. Adrian Dater, hockey writer and hockey entrepreneur. So uh, (laughs) there you go. Hey, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you so much for coming on, and you did so well. You know I'm going to be calling you again here before too long to do this uh, all over again. So thank you. Thank you very much. Oh, man. Absolutely. Anything. I love the longer format where we can talk more. Yeah. I wish we could do. I want to. I want to be on more, Mike. All right. All right. You can count on that. All right. That'll do it for this week's edition of the Mile High Hockey Podcast. My thanks to Adrian Dater. Good stuff. Tell your friends about it as this thing continues to grow each and every week. And we'll see you again next week.